and especially my course um, called Brain and Behavior. Yeah. And I still remember that. I was so interested in it, but it was so difficult for me. I didn't do very well. I got a D in it. <laughs> but I still really just was fascinated by how our brains work. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 165 of the Commando Voice. Today, I'm here with the founder of the Brain Connection. Please welcome Jewel Ann Del Rey. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they are going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. And it is the first week in February, so happy February. Um, let's see. I hope you guys have uh, big Valentine's Day plans. I guess that's going to be next week. My next episode will release on Valentine's Day. Aw, I should do something. I probably won't. Um, okay, so, um, yeah, hope you guys have a good week. Um, thank you guys for continuing to listen to the podcast. We're trying to get it out to more people. And... Um, yeah, so if you guys have anybody that you're like, hey, you want to learn about Kameno and you want to hear more, uh, check out this podcast. So um, appreciate the guy, you guys sharing it more and um, yeah, doing everything we can to keep it going. Um, all right, so today I interview Jewel Ann Del Rey, um, who is the founder of The Brain Connection, um, and she's right here on Kameno Island. And we get to talk about all sorts of fun stuff today. Um, obviously has to do with the brain and psychology. But we talk about another thing um, called brain training, which um, most people have probably never heard of it, uh, myself included, up until reaching out and talking with her a little bit. Um, so we're going to get into what is brain training, uh, kind of what are the benefits of it, what does it look like, what's you know, all these different pieces to it to find out, is it for you? Um, we also get into psychology and some other things as well. Uh, but I had a great time talking with her. Uh, fascinating person. She's from uh, New Mexico. Um, and uh, it really made me want to go visit New Mexico all over again. So um, we get into a lot of different pieces, but uh, it's a fascinating podcast listen. Um, I encourage you guys to make sure you listen to the whole thing. Uh, and then if you're interested at all, um, be sure to check out her website. Um, and, and maybe schedule a session. Uh, I know by the end of this podcast, I was like, um, I want to be able to try this. <laughs> so, um, I'm probably going to be booking a session, uh, here fairly soon. Um, she also said for those listeners of the command of voice, if you mentioned that you got us, you heard about it from the command of voice, she's going to give you guys a discount. Um, so be sure when you sign up, if you sign up because of this podcast, uh, that you reach out to her and let her know that you heard about us from the Camino Voice, um, and she's going to give you a discount on that first session. So, um, all right, without further ado, here's my conversation with Julianne Del Rey. Just kidding, it's Brandon again. Okay, I just had to jump to the back of the podcast to find out what the discount was again. So if you guys sign up for a first session with her and you mention that you heard her on this podcast, she's going to give you $25 off your first session. Okay. There you go. Now we're going to jump into my interview with Julianne Del Rey. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice. Today, I'm here with the founder of The Brain Connection. Welcome to the podcast, Julianne Del Rey. 
Yeah, thank you, Brandon. It's an honor, and I'm just really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so before we get started, tell us a little bit about Jewel Ann. So I am a native of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. I was born and raised there, and I lived there till my late 30s, when then I moved with my first husband there to Colorado, and we took over his family real estate business. Okay. Yeah. And um, then I decided, well, my background is in counseling, um, pretty much my career um, for the first, you know, three decades of my life, I focused on crisis pregnancy counseling, marital counseling, um, but it was within um, a church setting. Um, and as I began to do that, I decided I really enjoyed that and wanted to get my master's. Okay. Um, I, I then um, moved to Seattle and was going to the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology to get my master's in counseling. Mm -hmm. And um, I wasn't able to finish that just because my husband at the time got laid off. So then that's when I um, pivoted and started the life coaching. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I, I'm also um, remarried and I am the mom of six kids. Wow. Yeah. We're kind of the Brady Bunch, except, you know, we don't have a maid, but we have two dogs. <laughs> <coughs> well, very cool. Um, so <clears throat> tell me about growing up in New Mexico. It's, it's fairly uncommon. It's not, especially around here, there's a lot of areas, I think it's weird, that Camino connects to, like Arizona's one that there seems to be a, besides I-5, like a connection between Washington and Arizona. Yes. <laughs> um, but New Mexico is not as common. So tell me a little bit about growing up in New Mexico. What is that like for you? Yeah. So um, I lived there my whole life. Um, I am half Spanish and half Puerto Rican. So my dad came to um, New Mexico um, and met my mom, I think, let's see, when he was 25 or so. Um, he had come over to the, um, to the main United States at the time uh, to be in the Army. And um, let's see, what else? Um, I just love, we were just a really close-knit family. Mm -hmm. my, uh, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. She taught me to quilt. She taught me all kinds of crafts. She was a fabulous cook of New Mexican cuisine. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it's very different from Mexican food. It's uh, very regional. Yeah. And um, it's known um, for hatch green and red chili. Yep. So, oh my goodness, I miss that so much. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I just really enjoyed um, the pace of life. It's a little bit slower pace of life, sort of like Camino Island. Yeah. Um, you know, went to high school there, went to college there, got married there. So it's, it's kind of deserty, so it's very different yeah. from here. We have the four seasons, enjoyed skiing um, up in uh, Santa Fe. Uh, New Mexico, as well as Albuquerque. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, my my one experience that I can remember of going to New Mexico is we did stop in Albuquerque. Uh -huh. um, I think it was either Albuquerque or Santa Fe. Um, but we were there, and like it was like a not like a major windstorm, but it was cold and very windy that day. And I remember walking down the streets, <laughs> and we were. We had come from Arizona, um, so we were kind of visiting, 
and I just remember we were all freezing because we hadn't brought nearly enough layers for that weather. So we were all going yeah. into every store and just buying whatever we could find to keep warm. <laughs> I'm wondering, was it during the spring? Because that's usually the time when it's super windy, and New Mexico, especially Albuquerque, is really known for their huge tumbleweeds. Okay, yep. <laughs> So I was wondering if you were attacked by one of those or not. Yeah. <laughs> I think we survived storm. that, but... <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, but it's, it's somewhere I've always wanted to go back to because... Um, you know, as a kid, there was just, it was, it's very different. It is. There's a lot of history and art and culture with Native Americans um, and their art. It's just beautiful. A lot of um, Native American jewelry and um, pottery, a lot of different um, ruins there that you can visit. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's very unique. Just a lot of adobe buildings, um, that type of thing, adobe housing. Yeah. So it's, it is very unique and I just feel privileged and I'm happy that I got to grow up there. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, um, so, yeah, we we moved to Washington from Arizona. We lived okay. in Tucson, Arizona until I was about five, and then we moved up here to Camino Island. Um, so, I saw a lot of Arizona and Tucson, but, yeah, it's it was surprising how different they were. Yeah, definitely um, very different, even though the same part of the, <laughs> the country. country. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm definitely a Southwestern girl, so to transfer here was quite a shock. I did. I do love, you know, just the green and all the, you know, evergreens and being by the water. I did have to get used to the rain. Yes. Uh, but it was nice for the skin. Right. Because <laughs> in Albuquerque, it's super, super dry climate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the, uh, how have you, uh, how have you transitioned to the kind of like where, where we are right now, which is that January, February, just overcast, especially growing up with sun. How does that kind of work? Yeah, you know, it, it was difficult in the beginning, but I do kind of like the calming effect of all the rain. But to kind of overcome the dreariness, I'm just a very um, sensual person in the fact that I really um, respond to my environment. So I just light a lot of candles. I have a lot of lamps with, like, golden light bulbs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do a lot of, like, essential oil um, diffusers mm -hmm. just to kind of keep my environment, you know, my five senses happy and and cheerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So um, so you went to high school in Albuquerque. Yes. Um, and then throughout high school, what were things that were catching your interest? You, you know, we know that you're in counseling. You did life coaching and counseling. Um, yeah. Were those interests for you when you were in high school? You know, it's so interesting because as a young girl and then kind of growing into my teens, for some reason, <laughs> I always wanted to be a lawyer. And I think a lot of it just because I'm a good arguer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it really wasn't until college um, in my first semester um, at the University of New Mexico that I took um, a couple courses in psychology, mm -hmm. and especially my course um, called Brain and Behavior. Yeah. And I still remember that. I was so interested in it, but it was so difficult for me. I didn't do very well. I got a D in it. <laughs> but I still really just was fascinated by how our brains work, and especially since then. I mean, that was back in the you know mid-'80s. So yeah. the development of what we know now about the brain and neuroplasticity and all the stuff of neuroscience, especially neuroscience in relation to counseling and therapy mm -hmm. has really shifted from a lot of talk therapy to more uh, modalities um, as far as neuroscience and working with the brain and things like that. And so I've always been kind of a neuroscience 
nerd and just really interested in that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Awesome. I definitely yeah. want to come back to uh, neuroplasticity and, and some, how that affects with counseling and therapy. But yeah. Um, how? What are some of the big changes and stuff that you've seen? Because I do feel, I mean, even since I was a, born in '89, even from when I started learning about brain stuff to now, it's been exponential jumps and stuff. So, going back to the '80s and stuff, what what are some of the big things that we've discovered now um, between now and then? Yeah. So I would say one of the things that really sticks out to me again is that you know our brains are very flexible and resilient. Yeah. And, you know, new, new neural pathways can be recreated even after traumatic events um, by different techniques like visualization or meditation, um, different things like that. So that's just kind of the, the layman's quick description yeah. <laughs> without getting too technical. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. something else um, back then, and even like I would say through a lot of my growing up and stuff, psychology wasn't... Like, when I told my dad, like, well, I'm kind of interested in psychology, uh-huh. he was like, I don't know how you're going to make money in that. Because it wasn't really thought of as a lucrative career path. Right. You know, I would definitely say that is also a big shift, Brandon, as far as, you know, back in the 70s and 60s, you know, counseling was not a thing. No. <laughs> People were very quiet about personal issues. And, you know, and that's another shift, too, is that, you know, mental health is really more well accepted in today's society whereas back in those days it was almost considered more of a negative thing and people kept quiet about it and felt you know maybe some shame around that so I would say that's a huge thing too in a positive direction because you know lots of people uh really do experience anxiety depression you know especially you know our uh, veterans with PTSD, all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. So I think it's just our society has opened up and we're now more accepting of, of that shift. Yeah. yeah. So a question <laughs> that I didn't prep before prior to. No worries. Um, but is, this is, a, a, I would say, maybe an argument or something that we hear a lot, uh-huh. um, is that are people in today's world, are they less resilient and have more issues um, or is, do we feel like there's more things going on because we're actually able to address them and we see them and we know how to diagnose some of these things? Interesting question. So I would say that, again, there's been a shift. I would say that there are more issues today. I just do see, um, maybe you've noticed too, just a decline in our society and in the family um, as far as how well it's functioning, you know, divorce rates, suicide rates, all that kind of thing is, you know, higher than it was back then. Also probably just more public. Mm-hmm. So um, not that these issues didn't exist, you know, 20, 30 years ago. It's yeah. just, again, more talked about. Yeah. So I would say, um, yeah, that's how I would answer that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, that's something that I think, I mean, we've always had a degree of data. But, right. but to the point now where someone in Missouri, something happens, we'll hear about it on Facebook or TikTok. Or, and so we hear about these things so much more often now, too. Yeah, I would agree um, with the development of um, social media and technology and able to get news in an instant. Yeah. That has really opened up, um, you know, our knowledge of so many different um, industries, especially this one, like I was mentioning, you know, um, it's so much more common to hear about you know, tragedies and traumas and crisis, whereas, you know, back 20, 30 years ago when this wasn't um, prevalent, 
you know, it would take a while. You hear stuff on the news, you know, days after it happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the the, <laughs> the d- development of technology has really opened up a lot of, you know, just knowledge in an instant. Yeah. It's, I would say, most people might agree, maybe not, but that there are definitely pros of the technology and um, that's now prevalent in our world, and there's lots of detrimental things that have come about because of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, so as you started taking some of these psychology classes then and kind yeah. of broken and that started growing your interest, um, where did it go from there? So I got my degree at the University of New Mexico in interpersonal communications and with a heavy minor in psychology. And that's really where I uh, grew my love for this um, industry. Um, I... Well, I did graduate from the University of New Mexico, but um, I would say my actual work in the industry didn't come about for probably five or ten years later. Okay. Yeah, but I I definitely um, was influenced with my coursework at the University of New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So then what did you do after college then? (laughs) So at the time, I... um, had just gotten married a September before I graduated. Okay. I graduated um, in December of 1992. Okay. <laughs> and um, so at the time, we thought, you know, we don't have any kids. We're not tied down to a career yet. So we decided to go on a mission trip to uh, Jinja, Uganda. Okay. And we joined another couple there that had been there many times and were trying to establish a Bible vocational school. Yeah. So uh, my husband, Greg, and I went and, boy, was it a ride. (laughs) But what we actually ended up doing was we did start a small home church and we actually lived there um, in a small three-bedroom concrete home with six native Ugandans and then my husband and I and the founding couple of the organization that we went with. And so what we did was we, um, well, the men helped the native Ugandans build um, uh, chicken coops, but also raise chickens so that they could gain an income from that. And yep. then Sunny, the late, uh, the husband's wife, um, she and I would go into the villages and teach women to quilt so that they could make blankets and make money and sell those. So it was really an amazing um, trip, so life-changing. And the family joke is that um, I was, well, we were supposed to be there for two years. Yeah. But I got pregnant there. Okay. And so the family joke is my son was made in, in Africa. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, we ended up coming back a year early. Okay. Yeah, there just wasn't the medical, um, yeah, just the medical services that I needed. Yeah. Um, so I had to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So then yeah. um, you get back and you start Uh, motherhood and were you just kind of a full-time stay-at-home mom at that time? Yes so I was a full-time stay-at-home mom Um, again that's kind of when I did a lot of volunteer work within um, a church setting crisis pregnancy center Mm -hmm. Um, at a couple of the churches I did some marriage marital counseling you know did training within a church setting and within the crisis pregnancy um, organizations that I belong to got a lot of counseling training so that's kind of how I started and decided at that point that's why I wanted to to Seattle was because I wanted to get the formal education. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So then is that what you did afterwards then? Followed towards Seattle? 
Yeah, so in 2005, that's when we um, picked up the whole family and sold our home and sold the real estate business and wow. moved to Seattle, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's how I, I got started in that. Okay, awesome. So then um, once, so you started that, and then did you jump right into counseling and, and life coaching and stuff right after that? Um, so, yeah, I came here, as I mentioned, and I started um, my graduate work. And as I mentioned before, I wasn't able to finish because my husband got laid off. So I actually worked for an addictions firm downtown Seattle in the Wells Fargo building. Okay. Back then it was called Free and Clear. So it was a smoking cessation. I don't know if you've heard of 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Okay, yeah. But um, So, yeah, it's now Lear Wellbeing. But back then, I started off as a coach and got promoted to a supervisor after seven months. So I was there for like three years as a supervisor. And then I trained and um, developed a team of 10 coaches. Okay. So that's kind of when I, as I mentioned, pivoted from actual the counseling field to coaching because I realized I really like the coaching aspect rather than the therapy aspect. Yeah. Because you're helping people move forward rather than looking backward at, you know, issues from childhood or past traumas or crises and help them recover from that. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. So that, that was actually one of my questions. How do yeah. you define, especially since you kind of walked on both sides, Yeah. what are the primary differences between life coaching versus counseling? Yeah. So with counseling, it's a therapeutic process where, you know, someone may come with a presenting issue or mental health concern. So you want to kind of dig to figure out why it's there and help them understand that, help them overcome it with different tools and resources and just the therapeutic process of understanding, you know, dynamics of the family, dynamics of, you know, environment, things that may have contributed to whatever is the presenting issue. Yeah. And then life coaching as I mentioned, looks forward. You're helping someone look at their life and say, okay, where am I at and what goals do I want to reach? And you help them by setting smaller goals to reach the big goal. And along the way, you might find that there's some stumbling blocks. And so our job or my job as a, a coach is to ask those hard questions. For example, if someone wanted to lose weight and they're just kind of losing motivation because the scale's not moving, one question that I would ask would be, well, why is it important for you to accomplish this now as opposed to six months from now or a year from now? Yeah. Um, you might also want to ask something like, and if you didn't proceed with this goal, what would be the consequences? And if you continued, what would be the pros? So just helping them think through. Yeah. And so I like to kind of use the scientific method in my coaching, just helping people realize that, you know, there's a lot of experimentation and room for that, room for failure, try something out, don't be afraid to try new things, come back to the drawing board if it doesn't work. And that really just encourages and empowers people to realize, you know, failure is not the worst thing. If you learn from it, do better next time and keep growing. Yeah. 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 Very cool. And I think um, one, uh, one guy I listened to was saying um, to help in a lot of these, you know, New Year's resolutions or things like that, when they're trying to make these big changes to, to change the course of where they're going and, and, and accomplish things is creating I am statements rather yes. than 
to-do lists or even goals at some point. You know, goals are helpful in that. Mm-hmm. But by changing the yourself, by saying that I am a person that does that. Yes. You know, if you're trying to become better at a, a thing, you say, I am that. Right. And that's that technique is... Um, I would consider a visualization technique because you're Mm -hmm. actually visualizing what you want to be Mm -hmm. rather than what you're not. Because really, where you look is where your energy goes. Yeah. And so that's what's really fascinating to me is that if you're constantly looking at what you don't have or what you're not, you kind of get stuck there. Yeah. But if you're looking at what do I want to be or where do I want to be, that's how you set little goals to reach that end dream. Yeah. So... Yeah. It's super fun. I really enjoy watching people grow and learn and reach their goals. It's just super rewarding. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I've heard before when it comes to like no or negative, looking against like I don't want to be X or whatever, that the brain, and this this doesn't have science background. It's just I've heard it through different people talking. Yeah. That the brain doesn't actually recognize negative or no. It recognizes what the focus is, the object. So if you say I don't want to be like, you know, if you had a uh, abusive parent or something, like, I don't want to be like them. Mm-hmm. By putting the focus on them, your brain doesn't see the I don't want to. It sees them. Right. So you, what you were saying, you, your brain goes where you're looking. So if you're looking, even if it's you don't want to be something or you don't want to do something, if you're, that's what you're telling yourself, your brain just says this. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. It's kind of what I was mentioning before that, you know, where your focus is, that's where you're going to end up. Yeah. And... Also, that's a great example of neuroplasticity yeah. where you can change. You know, it's, I kind of look at it as like, you know, you're driving on a four wheel and you're getting, you know, those ruts in the mud and you're like, you know, and, um, and yet to create a new rut, you kind of have to change directions or you might have to, you know, put it in reverse and then gun it a little bit. So that's kind of a good um, analogy of life coaching Yeah, is, and also neuroplasticity is that you can change the way your brain responds and thinks by making those different thought patterns and choices over and over because then you're going to let go of the old way of thinking and acting and switch over to the new one. That yeah, makes sense. it absolutely does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another question that I think could be helpful is how would you work with someone that's trying to decide, do I need counseling first or am I ready to be jump into life coaching? Yeah, that's a really good question. And the way that I work with people, especially in my brain training um, practice, is I think the two can coexist Mm -hmm. because I can still work with people even if they're having more, you know, of a therapeutic need. Um, I would say that, you know, if someone is getting stuck because of something more deep-seated, then I can just refer them out to a therapist um, and still work with them on goals. Okay. I mean, in in only, like, you know, more extreme circumstances would I not work with someone because they needed to be in therapy, but I would say those are more extreme cases, like, um, you know, if something was really getting in somebody's way and they were not functioning well at all. Right. Yeah. So does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So you touched on it. Um, one of the main things you do, um, you know, is in your business is the brain connection. Yeah. Um, it's something I'd never heard about 
until I met you and started researching some of your background. So what? Uh, tell us a little bit about the brain connection and then what you do with brain training and all of that. Okay. So um, the brain connection is my personal business. I started it as a sole proprietorship. Um, I was based in Lake Stevens until I moved here, and it's just out of my home in a studio. Um, I call my studio the Zen Room because I've really worked hard. As I mentioned, I really think that environment is important. So I really made it warm, welcoming, kind of like a you know a massage therapy room where it's just got really nice lighting and um, that type of thing. But so. Um, so that's, that's the brain connection. So I work with people who um, are in need of support with the functioning of their brain. And it's not necessarily just for people who have, you know, maybe memory issues or stress or anxiety, but it's also for high-performing high um, professionals or athletes mm -hmm. um, to improve just the way your brain functions. Yeah. And so... Yeah. Awesome. So how does it go about doing that then? <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, neurofeedback is a training system using um, an auditory and visual feedback. So um, the way I can explain it is it's a device that um, has software programmed on a Surface Pro, and it teaches your body to listen to itself again, and um, it helps it to re-regulate to a more resilient and flexible um, level of functioning with more ease and resiliency. Um, so basically the system mirrors back information to your brain so it self, can self-correct. Um, so that's basically what makes it so individualized for a person mm -hmm. is because um, it, let me see how I want to explain this. So basically, um, there's really no need for a diagnosis because of the system that I use. Um, I know that was one of the questions, but I'll just kind of go into it now. Yeah. Um, I use um, a dynamical system, which means it's more global. It doesn't focus on just one area of the brain like another system, which is a linear system. Okay. Those are the two major types, linear and dynamical. Okay. Um, but so I use um, a system called Neurooptimal, and it was manufactured or is manufactured by a company called Zengar out of Canada. Mm -hmm. And so what happens when you come into my office is I'm going to sit you down. You either have a choice of a recliner or a chair. And I just set the system right next to you. And it has um, sensors that I place on your scalp. So two on each side of your scalp and two on one ear and three on the other is grounding sensors. And people kind of freak out about that because they're <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you're going to electrocute, you know, <laughs> put, and it's like, no, it acts as a mirror. We don't put anything into your brain. We don't take anything out. It acts as a mirror and it monitors the activity of your brain and it alerts your central nervous system when there's any type of shift or change about to happen. Mm -hmm. And the way that that's detected by you as my client is you're going to have earbuds in your ear and you're going to hear, um, it's like spa music. Yeah. So when there's a detection and change, you're going to hear a break in the music. And that's the feedback. That's um, when your brain is detecting that there's going to be a shift. And it's, um, it's like a flutter. 
it's kind of like a crackling, um, just like a break in the music. Yeah. And so, you know, depending on the person, and there's no like, oh, well, if I have this many sounds or cracks, you know, it's everyone's brain is different. Everyone's going to respond differently. Um, so let's see, does that make sense about how, how it works? Yes, that makes sense okay. on how it works from a technical standpoint. Right. How does that go to that next level then and, and kind of assist the person or what do they get after that session? What, what, what have you heard back maybe from clients that they feel afterwards? Yeah. So, well, personally, I can say after my first session, I just was driving home and I was in Snohomish and it was just like my perception was clearer. Um, I just noticed that I was calmer, that I was not as like stressed or reactive. Um, so I guess that kind of goes into the benefits. Yeah. I know that that was something you were interested in knowing. Um, and, you know, as far as like, you know, what ages is it good for? And so it's been um, designated by the FDA as a wellness tool. Yeah. So it's not treatment, it's training. Okay. So we delineate that because the linear system is considered more of treatment. Okay. So um, it is safe for all ages and anyone can use it. Um, because there's no need for diagnosis, it's hard to predict what someone is going to get from it. But in general, I would say some of the benefits, just a short list, if you're interested in the longer list, you can check out my website. But I would say um, it's really, um, really supportive for people who have stress, anxiety, depression, like I said, who just want to improve their um, cognitive functioning or their memory. Yeah. So young children who are having a hard time, um, you know, focusing, you know, kids or teens with ADHD or even adults can find significant improvement in their focus and their memory. Okay. Um, you know, professionals use it to improve their communication skills. Um, I've heard married couples will use it to help uh, bring down the conflict because when your system is dysregulated, you're more reactive, right? When you're super stressed, mm -hmm. you're just not as able to communicate or if you're in a stressful conversation, you know, it kind of gets muddled. But when you start to brain train, your system is regulated, your brain is clearer, it responds more flexibly, more resiliently in the moment yeah. because our brains are self-correcting, our bodies are self-healing. Mm -hmm. So, Very cool. Yeah, and it can go all the way up, you know, to elderly people, you know, um, as you know, <laughs> or may not know, I know because I'm getting to that age where, <laughs> you know, memory starts declining a little, you know, you forget where your keys are, you know, all of that. And um, also just uh, cognitive functioning as far as like multitasking, those types of things, all the way to, you know, people who do experience dementia or Alzheimer's can benefit from it. You know, people who've had strokes, um, anything that has to do with the brain can find support with this because of the dynamical system and the way that it works. Okay, very cool. Yeah. So with that then, um, what does it usually look like for someone that's going to be doing it? Do they, is it one of those things that they plan on doing a handful of sessions and then they're usually good and maybe they come back 
years later? Is it something that you suggest people try and do on a regular basis? It really depends on the individual, but I would say generally um, it's not something that you'll have to do regularly your whole life. Mm -hmm. I started off doing it twice a week, and now I just do it when I feel like I need it. Okay. Um, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like chiropractic in a way where, you know, yep. you start off doing it several times a week or a couple times a week. And then as your body responds, you do it less and less because your body responds and is trained, right, to be regulated right. as far as the, you know, um, your uh, spinal cord and all of that, right? The way chiropractic works, it's a little bit, it's a lot different, but it's kind of the same yeah. idea. Yeah, that's a great analogy. So it's... It's not, um, it's not something that you'll have to do forever because your brain will re regulate itself, learn to function at a higher level. It's kind of like a reboot. Yeah. And then you just need a little checkup every now and then. Yeah. So I would say, though, um, people can really get a good feel for how they're going to respond after about 10 sessions. But I can say that I had one client who came to me with severe panic attacks, mm -hmm. and she came to me one time, and she uh, messaged me and said, I don't even think I need to come back anymore, because I went to work, and that's where she'd usually have her panic, uh, panic attacks, and she said, I didn't have one. I even tried to make myself have one, and she couldn't. So I never saw her again. Wow. Then there's another client that I had that came to me with a brain injury. And my studio is upstairs um, in my former home. And she was hardly able to walk up the stairs. She told me she had this very um, interesting thing with her eyes where her vision would bounce up and down. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah, it was weird. I never heard of anything like that. But um, once she, I think she trained with me probably for four months, so I don't know the exact number of sessions, but it was probably a good 15 to 20, maybe 25. Well, she recovered so well, and she was doing some other therapy, but she recovered so well with the help of brain training that I hired her to clean my house because she wanted to, and she was going up and down my stairs with no problem, and her vision uh, recovered, and there was no more bouncing. So wow. those are just a couple of examples. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so then, um, so you you do it here on Camino then, right? Yeah, I moved here um, to Camino last April, and um, I haven't, I have started, um, you know, open for business, um, and I, the nice thing about it, Brandon, is that because it's on a Surface Pro, I'm mobile. I don't plan to, you know, do it mobily, you know, as a regular thing. I'd prefer to have people come to my studio. But in special circumstances, I am able to travel um, if someone needed it. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. And then um, how long do a, does a session typically take? Yeah. So I typically schedule people for about 45 minutes because uh, we come in and we just do a pre-session um, check-in and when first-time clients come, I like to do a little bit longer just to get a sense for what things they're experiencing, what their goals are for the brain training, and we kind of talk about that. And then it, um, the actual session is 33 minutes long. Okay. And then after that, um, I just do a post-check, post-session check-in to see if anything, you know, if they felt anything different afterwards. And sometimes people say yes. Sometimes, you know, it happens a few days later. It's very different for each person. Yeah. And depending on the person, I also like to train people if they're not 
self-aware. You know, some people are more self-aware than others and can yeah. detect things going on in their emotions or their bodies. And so if people are having trouble, I'll just go over some techniques of how to, you know, become more self-aware and detect, learn to detect some of those shifts that will be happening. Because sometimes the, the shifts with neurofeedback are very subtle, but absolutely far-reaching, if yeah. that makes sense. For sure. Um, and sometimes they're really, you know, big. So it just depends on the person. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of exciting. It's kind of a journey of faith when you do it because it's, there's no way for me to predict what wonderful things will happen when your brain becomes regulated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. really exciting. <laughs> what are some ways that you help people learn how to self, uh, not regulate, but how to be more self-aware? What are some of your techniques that you tell people? Yeah, so I really recommend people begin meditating mm -hmm. because when you quiet the mind, I say then the soul speaks. So when you learn to quiet the chatter of your mind, um, you know, you can become aware then of thoughts, emotions, sensations in your body. So it takes a little bit of time, but when I started about, I started a regular meditation practice about five years ago. Okay. I literally started with just two minutes because I could hardly sit still yep. and stay quiet that long. But now I can go for over an hour and I just love it. Okay. And it's just made such a huge um, change. So yeah. that's one of the ways that I would recommend people start becoming more self-aware. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So then um, we're already going to link to your website um, here. Uh, and, and you had actually sent me kind of an explainer video on um, the dynamical neurofeedback system. Yeah. Uh, is that on your website as well? Yes. So okay. if people want more information on more of the technical and, um, you know, the a longer list of benefits, I've, my website is pretty comprehensive, and there is an explainer video. There's, you know, the benefits. There's, yeah, lots of information on there. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> All right. And then you're, you said you've already kind of started... Um, what does your kind of this year's roadmap look like for you then? Yeah, so my goal is to really just um, make people aware because as you mentioned yourself, you didn't even know that it existed. And yeah. so it really is more of a new um, technology. And so I just want to make people aware. But I also have just a big heart. And I really have benefited from it myself. It changed my life. So I want to make it available to as many people in the Camino Stanwood area as possible. Yeah. Um, so I do offer a sliding scale. I do have, you know, a few um, spots on my calendar for people who may not be able to afford it. Um, I really do. Um, so I would say my goal is to just make it known and just start building the business. So I really do appreciate you having me because this is a great launching um, pad for that. So, yeah. Well, I'm really so, excited too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things in there that I think are just um, along the way. I think there's a lot to learn. And um, I'm one of those... I'm not like on the, the hyperscale of people that are like on the self-improvement level. Um, yeah. I know there's people like that. Yes. Um, but I'm always looking for little things. How can I make little improvements? One thing, I think for a while there, I was trying to figure out how do I become world-class at these all these different things? And I was trying right. to figure it out. And one thing I realized, like I play soccer, for instance. What I realized is, well, one, I'm never going to play at the professional level. Uh-huh. Um, but... What are things I can do to get myself much better so I'm more competitive 
at the level that I'm at because I don't have to hit world class level right. to be a lot better than my competition. So I've tried to take that within within the business world, within um, different things that I do on a competitive nature. What are ways to make myself just a little bit better yeah. that will make, make me stand out and do a lot better in the future? Yeah, and I would highly recommend you trying brain training because yeah. it does help with eye-hand coordination and response times. A lot of um, professional gamers use it. As you know, they have to be really quick and responsive, yeah. but a lot of athletes use it too. So if that's something that you're wanting to improve your performance in, mm-hmm. I would say, hey, come give it a try. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. I think yeah. Always, I would love for you to come try it. It's always a schedule, so I'm always like, okay, when are you going to fit this in? But it sounds uh, really interesting. I'd be very interested in trying it Yeah. Out, so. Absolutely. Well, the nice thing is, is that I do have later evening appointments. I yes. do take um, appointments on Saturdays too by appointment. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty flexible in my schedule. I do have some days that I, you know, work later in the evenings, and some days where I work the mornings. So it yeah. can be pretty flexible. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. <laughs> okay. So the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? <laughs> well, okay, so I'm going to cheat just a little bit and say it was actually a gift. Okay. But it's kind of a family joke because what I got was a mug warmer. So okay. you plug it in and you can just set your coffee mug. I drink tea. And the family joke is is that mom can't sit still long enough to finish her tea, so I was constantly putting it in the microwave, and sometimes it was found in the microwave because I just never finished it. So when my daughter bought it for me for Christmas, I was just so happy, and I use it every day. (laughs) And it's funny because my husband, I bought him one because he would always say, can't we just get a microwave in our bedroom? I'm like, no, we're not doing a microwave (laughs) in our bedroom. So he's happy, and I'm happy, so that was that's a fun gift. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who's the most influential person outside of your family in your life? So I would say her name is Lori. She um, has just been an amazing, amazing person in my life. She's helped me just work through some really difficult things. She um, has just stood by me. She is just the most intuitive, compassionate Um, loving person I've ever met and she used to live in Snohomish but now she lives on Maui okay and um, yeah just the way that she um, just her presence is amazing and I just have learned so much from her about really the tools that I've learned from her are learning to be more self-aware learning to trust my intuition learning Mm -hmm. to hone my intuition and actually make decisions based on my intuition based on information that I'm getting from you know people and things around me um yeah she's like an angel to me I mean she really just has a connection with like the 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 angelic realms or something I don't know she's she's like a ninja angel or something I don't know (laughs) I love that yeah Yeah. (laughs) definitely a warrior for people's hearts and lives she's amazing Great. All right. This is a fill-in-the-blank question. Okay. I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. (laughs) I think that's a funny random question. I'm just going to have to do something random and say, okay, let's travel to Australia and ride a kangaroo. I don't know. (laughs) That would be very entertaining. (laughs) Um, Who is an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? Okay. So I would say there's a couple. So... My husband, David, is a metalhead. Okay. And he has a coworker 
that is also a metalhead. So we like to go out and see live music around, you know, we're in Snohomish, so there's like this music circuit. I don't know if you're aware of that, but there's a lot of local musicians that play there that do cover bands and all of that. Yeah. But these two men would just sit for hours and talk about music, the very technical aspects of, you know, each instrument. And of course, I would just be like, okay, I do love music <laughs> and I do love my husband and my friends, but oh my gosh, if I have to listen to this for another hour. But um, so the reason why I would say they're interesting is because I've actually encouraged them to do a, a podcast because they're hilarious the way they talk about music. And I mean, so they actually meet every Wednesday uh, on FaceTime and they just discuss different aspects of metal music or rock and roll I mean they have um, you know topics like this or that do you prefer this musician versus that I mean they will talk for hours and hours I'm like I'm so glad you found him because yeah. I just don't have the knowledge of all those things I'd rather just listen to the song right. <laughs> so he, they're very interesting and entertaining I would also say the second two people would be Billy and Sherry Bertman. Okay. They are musician, longtime musicians um, in the Seattle area. They've had different um, bands, but their current band is called Sirens of the Wood. And what's interesting about them is that they like to do mashups. For okay. example, one of their songs is a mix-up between Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made for Walking, and yep. they mash it up with Black Sabbath's uh, Fairies Wear Boots. Okay. And they're an acoustical band, so yeah. they like to push the edge of what they actually create for their songs. So yeah. it's super interesting. They're just the most loving, fun people. They also live on Camino Island. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. And lastly, <laughs> what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? <laughs> Buckle up, baby. You're in for a ride. <laughs> but seriously, I would say develop your inner self learn to trust yourself because there's a lot uh in there that's to be trusted yeah and so yeah that's what i would say awesome well thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today yeah thank you brandon i it was so fun to just chat with you and i really appreciate the opportunity to come and share with you um who I am and what I do with the Brain Connection. Yeah. Yeah. And so people, obviously, we have it in the show notes, but check out thebrainconnection.net. Um, there's going to be a ton of information on that. And uh, if you're curious at all, check it out and, and try it out. Yeah. And I would say, too, if you mentioned that you heard me on this podcast, I will be happy to um, give you $25 off your first session. Awesome. Well, thank so, you. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. All right, and Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Julianne Del Rey for joining me on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you sign up for a session for her, uh, be sure to mention that you heard about it on this podcast, and you'll get $25 off your first session. And for more information on this episode, you can go to tomatocommons.com slash podcast. That's tomatocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening.